Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of We Gotta Talk. I'm so glad you're here. If you're watching, hello. Leave questions, leave thoughts, leave comments. If you're listening, thank you for coming back. We have a great guest today who I was introduced to, oh gosh, it was like in the thick of the uh, of the lockdown, I believe. And she is back today with some new titles and qualifications and life stories and life lessons to share. I felt like I connected with her from the moment we started chatting last time. And I have a really strong feeling you will feel the same. Erin Washington is an author, a podcaster, and a body image advocate podcast. And her first book were called Squats and Margaritas. Her whole thing is about achieving balance in life, not only with your physical health, but also your mental health. She is a mom. She is a presence on social media, both funny and inspiring. And I'm so excited to have her on the show today. Hey, Erin. Hi, thank you for that intro. Like I said, girl, I was like, Aaron, listen, I'm running my own controls today. If you see something go a little awry, just stay with me. By the way, you are one of the few people who can wear bangs. And I'm very excited about this. They're new. I'm still not really used to them. So I will take the compliment. Thank you. There's I something love it. To. Thank you. Yeah, very cute. We were we were talking about the show and she's like, I can't, you know, I'm not sure what yeah. side this, this whole platform is flipped, but whatever part you're rocking, it's working. Thank you. <laughs> how are you? How are you? How old are the kids now? Catch us oh. up first. Um, yeah, in the middle of the pandemic, they were two and four. I think that's okay. the last time we talked. So we got seven and four and a half. It's okay. getting a little better. So I'm still wiping one's butt. So once we can get out of that and they get a little bit more independence, um, you know, then I'll be rocking it. We're always going to be smelling strange things as parents, no matter how old they get. I hate to say, <laughs> I mean, right. it's one of the qualifications of the job. Um, so Aaron, last we talked, you had, recently started the podcast, Watts Margaritas, and you had, and still are a real um, sort of voice of, of reason and inspiration around the topic of eating disorder education. Um, you have a lot of funny memes and things on parenthood that you share, but now you're getting ready to come out with your second book, which includes not only the lessons you learned about keeping your physical health, which we're going to dive into because we are no longer living in a world of restriction and deprivation, but you've added some life lessons you've learned along the way in this new book as well, From Pain to Purpose. So I guess we start at the beginning. Um, you have a lot of stories to tell, but <laughs> what is the one thing that has informed your work today the most, whether it be a struggle you went through, whether it be motherhood, whether it be your st struggling with eating disorders, what was it that sparked you to become a voice in this world? my struggle with eating disorders I recently found was all purposeful. Like had I not gone through that, I wouldn't have the platform that I have today. Wouldn't have the nonprofit that I have today to inspire other young women who are still in the mess. Um, I think I would just be coasting through life. I found my life's purpose through my pain, pun intended. Um, I struggled for almost 20 years with body image, not having any self-worth, um, multiple eating disorders and kind of got it all together and stopped abusing my body at 37. Um, but it, it doesn't just have to be a full-blown eating disorder, which it was for me. Women who are restricting and calorie counting all the time and living in a state of just stress and obsession, 
my message is that that is working against you. And when I finally found this lifestyle balance after coming out of all my mess, I had to share it with the woman who is still on the cardio machine seven days a week and only eating mm -hmm. salads and counting her calories. There's a different way you can enjoy your life. You can come out of the mess. And now it's like, it's almost easier. I live my life with balance. I enjoy my life and was actually able to find a weight loss living this way. Yeah. I mean, you're saying all of this and I am just picturing the person scrolling through social media, seeing or looking for inspiration on workout routines, eating plans. I say this all the time, Erin, and I'm curious to, to hear if you agree. Mm -hmm. It scares me sometimes that women seem, and I count myself in this group sometimes, we're always looking for other people to tell us what to do. Oh, well, Janie, you know, Janie Hotbod123 is doing like three days of cardio and two days of strength training. She's only having a protein shake for lunch and she lost three pounds in one week. So, I mean, what is it about us as women that that makes us have this sort of hyper focus on our, our bodies and ourselves and moreover, look to other people to tell us what to do about it? Well, I think we're looking for a quick fix. Like, here's the answer. And the answer is it's a lifestyle and you have to sometimes go through the mess to get to a balanced lifestyle because you try all the quick fixes and it worked for hot bod, Jamie, one, two, three, but diets work, but they're not sustainable. So I was like, if you're, are you getting married next week? Like, do you, if you have something that like you really need to like tone up for like really quickly and it's not sustainable, do a diet, but it has to be a lifestyle change. And like, for me, I felt my best when I was in my best physical body. When I wasn't, it was just like noise looming over me. Um, I would be short with my husband. Um, I feel like I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife when I feel good in my physical body, but going about obtaining that physical ideal was just a life of obsession and stress. And I was 20 pounds heavier living that way, 20 pounds, because I mean, we can get into it when you're living that way. You are, your body's producing cortisol, which is a stress hormone that is making you hold on to fat. And when you're calculating, like I would always like pull up menus on the way to a restaurant. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't stay in a hotel that didn't have a gym. And I just lived in a constant state of stress. I was always frustrated because I felt like I was doing everything right, but I wasn't seeing a weight loss benefit. And if that is happening to you, all of the obsession is working against you and your body has shut off. It doesn't trust you. Um, it doesn't trust that you're not going to do a second workout, which sometimes I would. It doesn't trust that you're going to fuel it after a workout. So it starts holding on to every calorie that you consume. And as soon as your body starts to trust you again, it releases it. Like it's not going to burn fat when it's not sure that you're going to eat again. Your body's really good at keeping you alive. So my body didn't trust me for 20 years. And now that it's like, we're cool. She's going to work out a few days a week. She's going to fuel us. We can burn. And it sounds very simple, but I feel like there's still women that still think we have to calorie restrict and be in a deficit. But if you're doing that for too long, your body's going to start just holding on to everything. And you're, the last thing that you're going to do is burn fat. It's so funny you say that. I've interviewed about trusting your body and about your body understanding what it needs. Um, we are so made in such a, a complex way that I think it's funny. We think we can trick our bodies into acting how we want them to act. Yeah. Um, and seeing proof of what some might call intuitive eating or listening to your body, it like really kind of drives it home for me. And it's the way 
that's the simplest, but it's the most difficult because it forces us to give up what we perceive to be control. And if there's anything that we like, and, and again, not to generalize, but especially as women, we like to understand things. We like to have control of things. We like to know what's going to come next. But it's so funny how the opposite happens when you release yourself from that. Yes, you have to let go of the control and it's scary. You're right. Intuitive eating changed everything for me. When your body is hungry and releases a signal that it's hungry, eat sounds very simple, but I would almost be like, I'm hungry, but I'm not going to eat because I was saving calories. And it was almost like a win, like, cause you were taught, starve yourself, barely eat and do your cardio. But when your body can trust you again, and it trusts you when you just listen to the cues, but there's two, there's hunger and then they're satisfied. And for me, I dealt with bulimia. So I went way past the point of feeling satisfied. I would eat to utter fullness. If you just listen to those two cues where you're hungry, you eat. When you're satisfied, stop eating. And it just takes a second of checking in. Like, am I just eating because there's still food here or am I actually hungry? And if you just listen to those cues, yes, it makes it super simple. It's scary to trust that like, I'm sure people are like, well, I can't just eat every time I'm hungry because you feel like you'll gain weight. But trust the process, try it for a couple of months and watch what happens. I want to go back and understand when you first started struggling with eating disorders. Now I, I grew up in the, I think I'm a little older than you, but like I was an 80 born in 81. So the formative years. Uh, Oh my God. You're a younger girl. You present very young. It's the bangs. Okay. It's the bangs. Okay. I'm going to my hairdresser. Um, No, we grew up in the Kate Moss era, right? The waif era and the images we were being presented with. I mean, thank God we were, I don't want to say thank God, but we were just teenagers at the time. Metabolism was still working in our favor. I can't imagine being a full grown woman and having to see that and be like, oh, this is what we have to do now. Anyhow, all that being said, tell me when it all started, how it all started and what made it start for you when my body started to change and that's like a teenage girl, that's what happens when you go through puberty. I was a little bit late. I was 15. And when I, my body started changing and I started my period, I started to gain weight. And for me, soccer was everything I played since I was four. I started varsity as a freshman, um, in high school and gaining weight was not ideal for soccer. And so when I started gaining weight, I like severely restricted my calories to the point where I wouldn't eat carrots because they were a starchy carbohydrate and got super skinny and it actually started affecting soccer in a negative way um, because I wasn't eating. And then when a coach was like, you need to eat, I was like, oh shit, like I, it's expecting soccer. I started eating Sunny, but it evolved to exercise bulimia where people may not know the name for it, but you jot down the calories you eat and then you go work out the exact amount of calories to kind of cancel it out. That went on through the rest of my high school career. But the one that I struggled with the most was bulimia. And that happened after my college career ended. It was the only thing that I identified like value and worth with. And when that was gone, it was like, what else is there? Like if I'm not playing soccer and that's when an eating disorder can creep in. So you really went through it all. The anorexia, calorie restriction, exercise bulimia, which we should dig into because I think a lot of grown women may struggle with this and not even realize the constant working out to counteract the eating and bulimia, which is the purging, the, the binging and purging. Like, yeah. So this was a, a years long struggle for you. Oh yeah. A decade. Exercise bulimia. You may not know a name for it, but if you are working out to undo the food you ate, that is an eating disorder. 
And I did it for so long. Like you should want to exercise because you feel amazing, you know, to break a sweat, the endorphins. Yes, you can lift to like get muscle tone, but if there's any sort of calculation and you're trying to undo food, that is an eating disorder. God, it's so crazy because, you know, you see people like, you know, my, my workout doesn't count if my Apple watch isn't on how many calories. And I want to be like, I know. you're I know. still working out, even if it's not being monitored. No. I mean, not, not from a place of judgment, but no, it is, it. it's, it's proof that we are. Yeah. Right. We're inextricably tying the calculations and the numbers to the act and the exercise. And so yeah. of course we're going to get all screwed up because everything sort of has a value placed on it that it, it shouldn't. Yes. And it's control. Like, you know, the amount that you ate, the amount that you, uh, worked off. So it's all, it's just like to feel better in your head. It doesn't work that way. Like mm -hmm. it's not calories in versus calories out. Like we've been told, because if you restrict enough and you're still working out, your body shuts off and you're not going to metabolize anything. So you just have to trust your body. And it's so scary. Like you said, to relinquish control mm -hmm. and you're like, not going to count calories. And you don't know, like, if I don't count calories, then how do I know how many minutes to do on the cardio machine? I, it was all a calculation. And again, it, that's just stress and obsession. It takes over your life. If something is taking over your life, like bulimia did with me, like all I thought about was the next time I could binge and purge, how I could pull it off, um, who I would run into because it was such a shameful, uh, secretive thing. And I will say again about bulimia, a lot of people were shocked that I was bulimic because my appearance was very bloated, puffy. You throw off all the hormones in your body. So obviously you could see that something was off, but no one was thinking eating disorder. I wasn't thin. Like I was puffy and bloated and nobody thought eating disorder. So that is a sign. Like if there's somebody that's isolating all the time, making excuses that they don't want to go out to eat or anywhere where you're mm -hmm. going to be expected to eat normally and they have like this bloated, puffy appearance, you think bulimia, you throw up your food, you know, you'll probably be super thin. It was the opposite for me. That's wild. And and it sounds like this was something that persisted even through like your sort of, you know, air quote, grown up days yes. too. People look at this as like a teenager's struggle or a teenager's disease, but it's, it's very much not the case for a lot of women. It's a mental illness. And once you start in it, like I said, it can evolve into different stages, anorexia, exercise, bulimia, bulimia. Even when, like when I wrote my book, I stopped doing the actual behaviors. Um, I have a very obsessive, I'm a firstborn personality. And I'm like all in on something. And I started dating my husband when he was in the height of his career. I didn't have the best body image, obviously, and like didn't really see my worth at that point. And I became obsessive about the relationship. And it was like when I poured myself into the relationship and just making sure nothing was going on behind my back and my obsession kind of channeled that way, my eating disorder kind of fell away. And I'm not saying that that is the way to do right. it, but if you have an obsessive personality and that's all you're thinking about all day, the binging and the purging, try channeling that obsession into something else, something positive. And then it's not, you're, that's not the only thing you're thinking of. Like when you're in the mess, that is all you think about. It takes over your life. And like I said, when I started dating my husband, I stopped the actual bulimia behavior, but mm -hmm. I was still living with such restriction and working out sometimes two times a day thinking I'm doing it right. I'm not throwing up my food calories in versus calories out. Like just eat salads, do your cardio. And I was 20 pounds heavier living that way. I, I wish I could scream this from the rooftops. And you know, of course I am not a doctor. I am not a medical expert. However, I've interviewed so many people in that field, people who are medical experts who talk about the impact of hormones on our 
body, uh, you know, our muscle composition, our body type. I mean, like all of this stuff, we are the world, the, the diet world, I mean, the world especially, but specifically the diet world has not been tailored around a woman's specific needs. And it was really revolutionary for me to understand that whereas, you know, men are on this 24 hour circadian rhythm, we're on a 28 day infradian. And, it, you know, when you start, when you look back at old behaviors and you say, my God, well, of course it wasn't working because my body was going through other things that impacted yeah. my appetite, my, my satiety, my, you know, different types of exercise. Right. It all begins to make sense. It's like, you know, you kind of wish you could go back and be like, listen, here's the way to, you know, to be that's, healthy. And that's why it. I wrote the book yeah. to the woman working out and not seeing results. That's what it was going to be called. Like you have been conditioned to think you need to starve yourself and you need to do cardio. That's another thing. Hmm. Eating more, like turn back on my metabolism. Like I said, my body trusted me again. Um, I used uh, my fitness pal and realized that I was under eating by 900 calories a day thinking oh that gosh. I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. My body was starving. So it was like, she's about to work out again. She's not going <sighs> to eat. The last thing it's going to do is burn calories. When food is coming in, it trusts that you're going to, you're not starving and it starts burning again. That was one element. But the second huge factor was weight training. And I feel like women mm -hmm. think that they're supposed to do their cardio and the men are in the weight room. But what I always say is the next time you're in the gym, Find that woman whose body, like you, you're envying it, like the best in air quotes body. She's not on the treadmill. She's in the weight room. That is, I just started lifting weights, Erin. You did? It's really fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Empowering. you know, it's so empowering. I mean, like we're at 12 and a half right now, no, so I'm not getting okay. ahead of myself. But I mean, <laughs> it is true that like, and, and for some reason, I was like a, a long distance competitive runner for years yeah. in high school and college. And the high that I get, like the post-exercise high that I get from weightlifting, even if it's like at a moderate level, is so much more than I used to get from my hour-long runs. Not that I still don't like that for its own sort of mental benefits, but I, but I was like, wow, this is unlocking a whole new world to me. Thank you for saying that. I still, well, I don't run anymore. Um, I still walk for the benefit, like just meditative benefits, like coming back and just feeling like you can breathe. But if you are just doing cardio for weight loss or fat loss, you are doing yourself a disservice. Weightlifting is going to get you there so much faster. Muscle is the most metabolically active tissue on your body. The more you have, the more you burn, even when you're not working out. Now, I work out three or four times a week with an emphasis on weight training. I put a ton of muscle on my body and now I truly, I eat what I want. I'm, I'm conscious of it and I'm, I check in and I'm intuitive about my eating. But when you put muscle on your body, your metabolism increases, especially resting metabolism. So I'm not working out as often. And I was always worried about uh, tone. Like I wanted to tone. I didn't want to bulk. And everybody is picturing that big bulky lady lifter lady. Your body as a woman is not going to do that naturally. So if you are sticking to low weights because you just want to tone, you're never going to see tone until you increase your weights and go gradually. You're at the 12s in a couple months, go to the 15. And when I started lifting heavy, now I have muscle tone. So my message is you are not going to bulk. You're going to tone lift heavy. When will my arms get toned though? Let's just Take do a little. Well, <laughs> I have an actual I have a muscle. Yes. Oh my God. I didn't have tone when I was trying to tone. I so, okay, live what, heavy now. <laughs> how heavy? What are we at now? Give okay. me goals here to start to, to work I will toward. do like, I do like these things, like return 20s, but okay. on my, um, 
bench press, I'll do like 30, 35. It has to challenge you. If you can do a hundred reps of what you're doing, your body's not going to change that way. Like you have to try something different and push it harder so that it can actually like adapt. Like your muscles are, if it's used to that workout, like I would do my same three mile run and lift my light weights. Cause I just wanted to tone again, 20 pounds heavier living that way. Now I lift heavy a few days a week. I am not a trainer. That is my disclaimer. Don't go pick up a 50, like right. work up to it. But if you're shying away from heavier weights because you just want to tone, you're never going to get tone until you lift heavier and your body, basically your muscle, you're tearing apart your muscle fibers and they're going to build back stronger. So if you're not challenging, you're just wasting time. Like with the weight, with the lower weights. And if the reason is because you don't want to bulk, get that out of your mind. That is a myth. And any woman that looks like that is on something because your body as a woman is not going to do that naturally. Okay. So tell me this. I want to go back to before we move on to the new book. And I know that you've incorporated some really interesting like themes about life and motherhood and balance in the new book as well. But yeah. I want to know if when you were struggling with your eating disorder, your parents picked up on it or your friends did. And I, I sort of want to like use this as an opportunity to, for, for parents out there to find the red flags, but also I want to get into your teenage mind, your early adulthood mind, of like what actually broke through and helped you to recover. So did they know? They knew, well, when I was anorexic, I was super thin. So yes, they knew that there was a, um, problem there. I remember my mom, I was trying to go to the pool one day. I think it was like a junior in high school. And she was like, you are not going to the pool until you sit down and eat. And it was like that easy Mac craft Mac and cheese, like something I would never, ever like consider eating. And I remember crying and she was like, you eat this Mac and cheese, which is like the worst thing you could eat in my mind before I would go to the pool. And I was just like devastated. And so she knew when I was skinny again with the bulimia, nobody knew I had an eating disorder. I was very depressed, but I was just bloated and puffy. So when I wrote my book, I had to sit down with them and be like, you're, I, I'm going to share a lot. I never wanted to share any of it, honey. Like basically what we've been talking about just now about the lifting and the eating more often. I found that out later in life. And I was going to call the book to the woman working out and not seeing results because I was like, I found the answer after all the years. Like now I can tell a woman, uh, eat more often and lift heavy. And a writing coach was like, are you a trainer? Are you a nutritionist? Right. No, you have no credibility unless there was like a story. And I was like, no, no, no. And I mean, you can get into it. I was homecoming queen. I was prom queen. I was captain of the soccer team. That's a lot to uphold. So I, I had to be that girl. I had to be perfect. Nobody knew how much I was struggling and how much I was calculating and what I was really doing to my body. So it was a lot to live up to. And I didn't see it. Like my value was being thin. Like I thought thin meant happy. And that it was just, that's, I was in the pursuit of a physical ideal. And when I finally shared my story, a writing coach made me share it. She's like, you're not going to have any credibility. I said it out loud. I, I wrote it and I released the shame of it. And now it's people are like, you just talk about it so openly because it doesn't have that power over me anymore. Mm -hmm. And once you release the thing that you're still carrying, and I'll give you a hint, it's the thing that you're thinking of right now, you're still carrying it, whether it's happening or not. I hadn't mm -hmm. done the eating disorder behaviors in 10 years when I wrote my book, but it was still there. Like I was like, oh, thank God nobody found out. Release it, write it down. And then you can find purpose and move on with the rest of your life and even help somebody else out, which is what I ended up doing with my second book. I mean, it's really my biggest fear as a parent truly is not, um, not being able to see what's happening with my kids, my son or my daughters. And, you know, when I hear you say, 
no one actually really knew. It it, it makes me sh- like have the chills a little bit. And it's embarrassing. It's shameful. It's, it's not shameful. No, no, no. Because as a parent, you don't want you know, to know. Well, no, because I don't want to miss anything for my like. No, what get, if you know? I, like, what if I, I wouldn't I have told something? my mom? I would have been super defensive. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely. So that's this is a great transition. You're a wonderful host. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was nowhere for me to go. And you know, some girl, like an 18 year old girl, you don't want to tell everything to your mom, but you'll talk to another woman who's been through the same thing. I, I go to therapy. I have nothing against therapy. I love therapy, but I would always picture like this 18 year old girl struggling with an eating disorder, going into therapy. And there's a man with a clipboard and he's like, tell me about your body image. You're like, you don't get it. But I've created uh, blue butterfly foundation is mentorship from women who have been through that same thing. So body image, bulimia. Um, I don't even want it to just be like body image stuff. Um, sexual identity, anything that's making you feel isolated as a teen girl. And like, you don't have anybody to talk to. You can talk to someone who has been through that same thing can, um, empathize with you and show you the way out and let you know that everyone feels the same way as a teenager. Like everyone just wants to fit in the thing that you're kind of hiding about yourself or kind of dumbing down or downplaying is the thing you're going to love about yourself in your thirties, but nobody tells teen girls that. And you have these statistics, like 30, I think, uh, suicide rates are up 30% in teen girls and Sunny, we struggled or we worried about our bodies when there was no social media. Our kids won't know life without social media. So I have to, I had to make the safe space where Mm. Somebody tells teen girls that this too shall pass. It's a hard time in your life. You're going to love these things about you. And everyone feels the same way, especially even the bully girl that seems so confident is actually the least confident. So and you're getting the message from a woman who has been through that same thing. So you trust them and you open up. Like I said, like you're, if you're worried about your daughter, like when they get to be a teenager, maybe she won't talk to you, but you'll talk to someone that gets it because they've been through it. What would you have your mom or dad say to you mm. now? You're on you're Aaron on the other side of your struggle. You're Aaron who has grown, who has addressed and revealed her struggle, who has grown from it and, and understood it. If you could go back in time and put words in your mom or dad's mouth that would have maybe reached you or maybe helped you to break free from that eating disorder, what what could they have said? Anything? I don't know if they could have said it. It's almost like that's why I did my foundation. If somebody else got it, like I would be like, mom, you don't get it. Like you feel like I don't, I was so ashamed of it. I I would have been defensive. I would have said, I did, I did say that I was fine until you can talk to a trusted person that gets it. Like it's me too. Like somebody's like, I totally get it. I I dealt with it for 10 years and you see that they're out of it on the other end. That's, that's, I don't think my mom could have said anything. And until you say it out loud, like I said, and release the shame of it, um, I denied it. Like I would say I was fine. And then I stopped doing it, but I, I was never, I was going in my grave with that until you can kind of like wrap your head around it. And mine, I mean, it's been like 17 years and now I'm talking about it. So you're still carrying that shame. And it's just, I did, I had an image to uphold. I didn't want anybody to know what I was doing. And I, I don't think there's anything my mom could have said now, someone that had been through it, or if she would have like, there was a book, I always say there's, um, I was at a book signing and this woman came up, she was crying and she had read my book and she was worried about her daughter. And it was the same thing. What should I say to her? And I said, I, she's probably going to be defensive if she's still in it. You can say, I met this woman tonight and she gave me this book and it doesn't say eating disorder. Like it was squats and margaritas, but I tell my story. And I said, she may be 
like more likely to open up to me when she like reads that. I mean, I share everything to be a trusted person for someone else. So it may not be you like as a mother that gets through to a child. So, but maybe there's someone else or obviously my foundation that can, because they've been through it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, you're, you're hitting all the nerves today. Gotta, gotta give up control again. It's like one more thing where I'm hearing the universe's resounding message. I feel like in so many issues, like you said, whether it be how we're trying to control what goes into our body or control what happens to our kids. It's just like we re- relinquishing is really the first step. It sounds like to a lot of healing and, and, and harmony. And you're making me think too, like as a mom, you have so much more power than you even know. We as moms always think about how to talk to our daughters and how to build up our daughters. So you would never say something negative to your daughter. It's like, you're so beautiful. You're so strong, but what are you saying to yourself? Cause they're mm-hmm. watching and you can say everything you want to your daughter, but she sees you in the mirror. Like, Oh, this, you know, like I, I gained five pounds. I got to lose weight. I need to go on a diet, seeing you on a scale. You're her model of what a woman should be like. And I feel like women really think about what they say to their daughters, but you're modeling something different when you're talking to yourself negatively. Um, And even back to saying things to your daughter, I don't ever use physical. It's hard because sometimes I'm like, oh my God, you look so beautiful. Now I make it a point to say, you look so strong. You're so like, you're so, uh, you're so smart. You're so caring. You're so sweet. I will catch it as it's coming out of my mouth. Like you look so pretty. Don't make it about physical. So Mm -hmm. just let them know that their worth is not just tied into what they look like. And don't just focus on what you're saying to them because they're watching how you talk to yourself. That is like the best piece of advice. It's true. And I, I grew up in a, in a home. There was no scale. I mean, my mom was, was, and is, I mean, boom. And I, squeaked by in the 90s. I was like trending towards some troublesome behavior, but I squeaked by without having an eating disorder. And it's probably only because of the complete lack of attention paid to it in my house. Like it just was a non-issue. It was just like- it's we neutral. existed. It, it was, was neutral. Make we, food neutral. Yeah, yes. not good and bad. This is right. a bad food. This is food is right. neutral. Take it off the pedestal. It's not off limits because you're modeling that for your kid. Yeah, well, it's one of the benefits, I feel like, of growing up in an Italian-American household where food was life. It wasn't like, we're going to eat because we're hungry. It was, we're eating because it's a ritual, because it's a tradition, because this is a recipe passed down, because it's a holiday. And now that I look back on the benefit of that, I'm so grateful because it's it's extra work as a parent to... um, take away that labeling language or to have tradition set up just because it's a family thing, but it does really pay off in the end. If you teach your kids that it's about more than just sitting down and stuffing your face, it's time with family. Like, so anyway, I'm just grateful. Listen, I got a lot of other things I deal with, but I mean, no, I'm like, she was, she served you well. She did. <laughs> I was like, in your God. plate, you're making me think that too. I would catch myself. you be like, no, you have to eat. You're telling them to eat everything on their plate and ignore their hunger cues so that mm-hmm. they can get a reward of more food. It's like, don't use non-food rewards. And it was so hard for me because I grew up, you clean your plate. And now I say, listen to your tummy. And my daughter will be like, I'm done. And, uh, or she'll ask for more. And I was like, is your tummy still hungry? Like, listen, teach them to listen to their body and not this, you have to clean your plate in order to get another treat. Like my daughter is, she's all about any kind of reward. She wants a snack, a treat. And I'm trying to like give her, like she earns money and she can go buy a doll or something. Food is not rewards. Like for so long, food was something I would take away, something that was off limits. Now I eat like an Italian American family. Like 
When I have a beer, I get a frosty mug. When I have leftover pizza, I put it in the um, oven and make like broil it and put like crushed red pepper. It's an experience. And that, and for so long, food was like off limits. Like if you look at it as an experience and you enjoy your meals, it's not as, you don't even need that much. Like if you're eating what you like, before I would eat like low sugar, high protein, no carb, in quotes, cookies, I would eat the whole bag because they were low fat. And I would like tell myself like, it's fine. It's, it's low fat. Now I eat what I want to eat and my brain is satisfied. You don't even need that much. As long as you're intuitive, I enjoy food. And it's like an experience and not this, like, this is bad. I can't have this. If you allow for indulgences and everything is allowed and not off limits, it takes it off the pedestal and it makes it less enticing. That's so true. It's the forbidden fruit philosophy, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. When it's not, if it's allowed, like drinking, I'd be like, I'm not drinking all week. And then Saturday is your drinking night. And then you drink all the wine because it was off limits. Mm -hmm. If wine is just a part of your lifestyle, you can have a glass and not feel like tomorrow's not a drinking day. I have to drink all the wine. Like I, I had so many rules, like you don't drink during the week and you eat clean, take off the rules and all of the like judgment around food and just listen to your body. It's much simpler you release the stress, you enjoy your life, and you might even find a weight loss, which is what I happen to find. What are you going to do with your kids with social media? I'm curious because oh. you have a you have a son and a daughter yeah. and you know, not to ignore the struggles. I feel like, you know, we're sort of directing this conversation specifically about girls and young women, but boys struggle with this too. So what's your plan, girl? Because I like um I, I like to understand, especially people who have dealt with specific things like if that informs what you're going to do next. I think just being like transparent about what they're looking at. Like that is not real. I share this story in my first book. I was on a plane. I feel like I already told you this. And there was a reality star in front of me and I will never say who it was, but I could, will you tell me off my, (laughs) she wasn't that you may not remember at this point, but she was through the seats. Like she didn't think anybody could see her, but I could see through the crack of the seat. She was, I'm telling you, Sunny, like stick thin rail thin, like model body. She is blowing up this picture of herself in an app. She's in a bikini and she was shaving a little bit off of her arm, a little bit, a couple inches off of her legs. And I'm like, oh my God, she's going to post this. I'm watching it happen. She posts it, had like 120,000 likes. And I was like, there's two issues here. One, obviously there is a 17 year old girl that is going to scroll and be like, if I can just starve myself a little bit more, I can look like this. That is not real. That was heavily edited. So you're comparing yourself to something that's not even achievable anyway. The model hasn't even achieved it. Mm -hmm. Second thing wrong, this rail thin model wasn't confident enough to post a picture of her own body without shaving off her arm and leg. Like on both (laughs) sides of it, it's so sad. Like letting them know this is not real. Like people that go to Instagram, they put out like their highlight reel and they're, they, they put filters. Like this is not reality. And there are girls out there that are trying to compare themselves and trying to achieve a body that has been heavily edited. So you don't want to like take it away from them and be like the only girl that doesn't have it. I don't want my daughter like mad at me for that. But I, so I think, I mean, she's seven, we haven't gotten there yet, but just transparent with them. This is not real people. It's fun. Like people can change. This is not a real person's body. And just so they're not comparing themselves and setting this unachievable standard that no one's going to be able to hit, not even the person in the picture because it's editing and Photoshopped and not real. 
Yeah, that's the key. It's just like, hey, by the way, none of this is real. Like, be no. over their shoulder being like, not real, not real. Yes. <laughs> like, when you see the magazines, like, we that's all we had is like their grocery store magazines. Yes. We didn't oh know God. it was like would, edited. No, yes. I would walk through like this and, and yes. you know, I'd be like, mm, Kate Moss. Oh my gosh. Look, oh yes. my God. We, pencil thin, but the aesthetic has changed. And it's so funny that, like, all I wanted was like straight up and down growing up. And now I'm like in the gym with the biggest weight trying to grow my butt and get like a bigger <laughs> butt. And it's like, the aesthetic changes. It's like, it, it, I don't feel like, I mean, Lizzo and Kardashians, like curvy bodies are now, I love that they're being celebrated and it's not what we grew up with, which was straight up and down and feeling like you're worthy if you're thin. Yeah, it was, it's, it was pretty crazy. Although Kim Kardashian is losing a lot of weight. I don't want this to be like, I I'm not that. trying to be, you know, everyone's like, shut she's up, not stop. Curved. It's, it's like, she's still, not, she's still got her. Yeah. I mean, whether or not that was God given, listen, this is not a shade, but it is, <laughs> it's just like, it is, it is another much, much less highbrow podcast, but it is, it's just, it feels like, you know, the deck is stacked against us. And I, I, I was hoping that as time went on, you know, technology makes our lives easier in so many ways, but it really has, has complicated things for women in a way too. And I'm not trying to be whiny or complaining, but it is, it's one more thing now, one more yeah. input that our girls and boys are getting that we're going to have to unwind on. And I talked to so many experts here and uh, that the talk about how social media plays into their field, whether it's, you know, an expert on, I don't know, mental health for children or like, you know, school safety. I mean, it's just like so many things that social media impacts. And I feel like now we have to be more aware than ever as parents to just be that sort of like parrot on their shoulder. Hey, yes. like you said, this isn't real. Or just remember, because yes. we can't take technology. It's not going anywhere. So we no. either arm our kids with the knowledge of what it is or, you know, they're Luddites and they never have a phone and that's not possible. No, it, exactly. They're going to, if you take it away, they're going to find it. And then it's going right. to be even more enticing and they're going to want the phone more because it's right. not allowed. It, phone has to be neutral. Uh, what I've been trying to do is like, like normalize not using filters and like mm. calling it out. Like just, if this is how you yes. look, because if everybody stopped using them and then it's going to, I mean, that's a lofty goal to make everybody stop using them. But like, if you just normalize, you don't have to even Paris, even just like the quick. I, Aaron, you're speaking like <laughs> gospel to me. Yes. I don't edit. Sometimes I'm like, bitch, we no, need to, I get, know in here with, I I need to get in here with the Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Because you see my spots <laughs> and you're like, well, look good. Sunny is not editing anything, but some, I'm so tempted. I, I want to you want to put out bad. your best foot forward and you want to like your best face. I, I just, I don't wear makeup like consciously when I'm about to go do a reel and I don't because like people, I mean, I'm not like, we're not huge celebrities. Like people are going to see us and be like that. You don't look like that. Like people are going to see us in now huge celebrities that you'll never see. And you think that that's what they look like. Like they could pull that off, but like, we're just, people are going to see you. You, you can't, if you put all these filters on, Instagram, like that's not reality and you're not going to be able to hide behind that. It's just like, be who you are. Let's normalize that. And then you won't feel an urge to, cause it's like, oh, everybody's just posting as they are. And then like everybody's guards down and it's not such a, I, I don't, that's my like tangible step. Like, why don't we just normalize posting how you look? Normalize I mean, you can, I sit in a window texture. Yeah. I sit in a window. That is my okay. filter. Mm -hmm. It's big, nature's filter. Get, get your uh, natural light. And that will be your filter, but you don't need, don't change it. Like, what are we showing them? This is how mommy looks. But before I post it, let me just, no, like I normalize, know. no filters. It's so crazy. I mean, I got, I could talk about this forever. And then this nothing, <laughs> not even addressing the whole, like, 
beauty industrial complex, which I am part and parcel of. I'm talking about skincare all the time or like Botox. I'm like, how much is too much? Like I, yeah. I, I got to get old at some point. I have three kids who are watching me. They're like, this bitch doesn't age. <laughs> What's right? You know, like mommy works very hard at that age. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm so mad at you right now. You know, with like my flat forehead. Um, but it has been a while. See, I do my forehead. Um, I need to tell you about my Rejuvalift. It's oh, Botox. That? It is Botox in a bottle. It's, it's the same thing, but it, it's temporary. So it's like, if you have an event or something, it's just a few hours, but I mean, it is, I'm Rejuvalifted right now. I'm trying to move, but it won't last until tonight. So if you have an event or something, it's not okay. permanent. Well, not that Send Botox is permanent. Well, but yeah, no, no. Send me the link on that. Hashtag <laughs> not, not an ad, but I'll put this it in is there. not an ad. This is just reality and it's something that works. And it's funny. My dad try to look, everybody wants it and you shouldn't feel bad about wanting to look. No, it's like fine. nice. But it, like, what right. are we showing our, again, it goes back to you're telling them they're so beautiful and all these things. And it's like, Oh God, look at these bags. Look at it. And they're like, they're watching yes. it. Yeah. Talk it's to sad. yourself the same way. My dad got the Peter Thomas Roth, like TikTok under eye cream. And like the, I mean, like this man, I mean, he's like up on ladders, like painting houses. And like, I'm like, dad, listen, not to be rude, but the Peter Thomas Roth isn't going to take you too far. Oh. But I'm like dying laughing. Cause I'm like, if, if it's infiltrated him, then, um, oh, yeah. he's like, really like, oh my God, it's so funny. Okay. I want to talk about <laughs> the book in, in our remaining time here. And like I said, yeah. at the beginning of the show, you put out your first book, Squats and Margaritas, which really touches on the things that we covered, um, already, which is body image and finding that balance between exercise and mental health. But you've added some new lessons and some new things in from pain to purpose. So walk us through what uh, the reader is going to experience in this book. I had to write a second edition because so much happened after the first edition came out and the whole goal, like I've said a couple of times, it was to the woman working out and not seeing results. And it was all about physical, like how to get your physical body. We're, we've been told the wrong thing. It's not calories in versus calories out. So that could stand on its own and it's still in there. Like I can help you if you are restricting and frustrated that you're not losing weight. When I finally got my body together and reached my physical ideal, it was like, I'm going to help the women. And I was like writing as my highest self. And I just had this like spiritual kind of awakening after uh, COVID that like, I nothing that was all about the physical and there's so much more. And I started just like opening myself up to like walking in nature and paying attention to signs. And um, when I put my book out, um, it was right before COVID, everything shut down. I started going live on Instagram and I had a little bit of a following from the book, but I was asking other moms to go live and we we're talking about what we could do uh, with our kids. Like the gyms are closed. The um, playgrounds are closed. What are we doing? And I, it made it like a, a little talk show. And every week I would be like, pour a cocktail and we'll talk about momming in a pandemic with no other ulterior motive. It was like to entertain moms and a program director at the biggest news station in DC was watching me every week and offered me my own show. So it turned into a podcast that was not even talked about in the book. And I talk about how, the podcast is the platform that I have now was my purpose. I turned my pain into this purpose to come out on the other end and share very vulnerable, authentic conversations with other women for the women that are still in it um, to like motivate moms to find their best selves, to find purpose. And that is my purpose while I'm here on earth. But I took it a step further to leave a legacy for the next generation of girls. Um, like I said, there was nothing like blue butterfly when I, um, 
when I was coming up and struggling. So now I'm providing mentorship from the women that I've talked to on my podcast and who have been really open. I I'm like, would you be willing to speak with another girl or be like a big sister? Every, even like the celebrities that have done my show, they were like, absolutely. Like, so they can pay it forward. So now my hope is that teenage girls that come through Blue Butterfly for like retreats and hearing other women's stories um, as a teenager will come back and be Blue Butterflies for the next generation of girls. So there'll always be Blue Butterflies in the world. And I'm sure people are like, what the hell, Blue Butterfly? I named it because there was a Blue Butterfly that was coming to my front step every single day in the same spot for like two weeks. And before my like spirituality journey, I mean, it could have been there for a year. I just, I wasn't paying attention. And my message now is like, put yourself out into the world authentically and organically, like I was doing with my show and that, my little Instagram show, and then watch for the guidance. And when I started just like paying attention to the signs, I'm like this blue butterfly, this blue butterfly, like what I see it universe, but like, what do I do with it? I was on a call with my business coach and she was like that nonprofit for teen girls. I, we got to get it running. And in the moment, it was so clear. I was like blue butterfly. Let's call it blue butterfly. Sunny, I never saw it again. Like it never came back and I got the message and it gives me the chills. It does. Well, I went and got my, yeah, it, it, I see it all. I went to, uh, over Easter, we got a, a cabin in Tennessee. There's say eight bedrooms in this house. I opened the door to this bedroom. There are blue butterflies all over the wall. Like I see it all the time. It doesn't even like startle me anymore. I'm like almost expect it. And I'm telling you, if you're not paying attention, like maybe you're going for a run and you're listening to music, take out your AirPods. Just put yourself out into the world. The guidance is right there. But I always say you're looking at your phone, start mm -hmm. looking around. And it's like, I turned my struggle into a platform to inspire other women and then a foundation to bring other teen girls out of it. And you can find purpose from what you've been through. So from pain to purpose, I share my story to how I got to my physical ideal. But once I kind of got that figured out and it wasn't looming over me anymore and kind of released the shame of it, all these opportunities came and I was like, I have to finish the story. So it was like the show brought me to these amazing guests that I never would have been able to talk to otherwise. And they are going to be the mentors for the teen girls. And it'll just like continue on forward. And now I, I live my life purposefully. And if there's a woman or a mom that just feels like a little itchy or unsettled, like maybe there's more, but you don't know what it is yet. Start putting yourself out into the universe and just look for the guidance and be open to it. And you will find, you'll step into purpose and I know it's exactly what I'm supposed to do now. That's crazy. I, I, it reminds me of an interview I did a, a while back. It might've been with like an intuitive or something, but she said the same thing is that like people, you know, not are assigned, but I, I guess for lack yes. of a better word, you know, yeah. like uh, you're so, a guy. Like, yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, just get quiet, get still and look for it. Yeah. And it's like right there. Now I'm, you have me inspired. Like I'm You're going to see something just whatever most people are like, well, yeah, I don't feel fulfilled. I'm, I'm a stay at home mom. I thought I was going to be a stay at home mom. There's nothing wrong with that. But right. I, I felt like there was something else. You don't need to know what it is yet, but you can start with something that you've been through because there's someone still in it or something that you can teach and you find purpose and like you find value in, in your life when you can help someone else out of it. So it's like, use your pain, something you've been through, release that, help someone else out of it. You build a community and that's how you find your purpose. And it's like, then you see all, everything comes together and it all aligns, like all the bad in quotes in my life, all was leading me to be doing what I'm doing now. And then mm -hmm. it's not bad. It's like, it's all purposeful. You're just not looking at the signs. I and mean, as soon as you start 
like intentionally putting stuff out there and just kind of looking it, I mean, it will scare you and you will get goosebumps because it's right there. You're just not paying attention. Yeah. I, I need to like rip out the earbuds, so to speak. I used to be really good about being still, but you know, you go through seasons of life where you get busy and it, it's harder to like deliberately sort of detach from the grind and from the activity schedule for the kids and whatever. But this is a really powerful reminder that like the answers really are just right in front of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, tell us, Erin, where we can connect with you. Obviously, the book is coming out very soon. So this is in April. The release date, I believe, is May 2nd, right? Okay. Yep. Um, it, it's on Amazon. It'll be May 2nd. It's from pain to purpose, finding meaning in the mess. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram. Uh, I am Erin Washington. You can follow the Blue Butterflies. Also, my nonprofit, if you are interested in being a mentor or if you're just looking for tools uh, for somebody that you think may be struggling, we're going to do retreats all over the country where women will come and share their stories. Uh, My podcast is Squats and Margaritas, wherever you get your podcasts. And I just have squatsandmargaritas.com where I have merch. You can get the book there and my blog as well. You are such a joy and you're bringing such, such light to people's lives. So Aaron, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Thank you so much for having me. And guys, thank you for watching and or listening. Please do check out Erin's um, social accounts, her books. She's just such a breath of fresh air. And I hope that if you're a parent, there was some sort of nugget of, of wisdom or advice that you were able to take from this. It's a, it's a big, bad world out there, it feels like sometimes. But when we can talk to people who are open and honest about their experiences and sort of mine from them the lessons they've learned and the advice they have for people who are maybe struggling with the same thing, it's such a gift. And um, I'm so grateful for the, for the guests that come on and, and are willing to be so candid with their experiences. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abatta, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog. <laughs>